Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 483 on Tuesday, the 19th of July, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be noting that one company is about to get much poorer. We talk about another that is getting richer, but didn't need it, honestly. And we update you on a moving greenhouse. But first, we have a touch of follow-up. And as I hinted before, this is to do with a Volkswagen. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, stop. Dieselgate, Dieselgate, Dieselgate. <laughs> yes. Uh, how long have I been here? Two weeks? Yes. Is that it? It's, it's caught that. Well, up. you're in the land of the origin. <laughs> I am, yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, I shall let you get on with it. Sorry. Yeah, this is the news that the European Court of Justice has ruled that Volkswagen's use of software to control when emissions were changed due to temperature, particularly a range of 15 to 33 degrees Celsius, is actually to be considered a defeat device because Europe's temperature across it easily goes below 15 degrees. Mm -hmm. That is not actually a unique situation that needs that should need to be implemented to protect the engine. The Mm. engine should have been designed to deal with temperatures below 15 degrees if you're putting it in Europe. Yeah, it's it's not rare or unusual. No. Especially in Scotland. Well, especially not in Germany. Yeah, this is very true. Yes, exactly. So. Now, I presume, it doesn't say in the Reuters article that we'll have linked in the show notes, but I presume this is something to do with the Austrian case that was being brought because there was also the altitude issue as mm-hmm. well but that's not mentioned here i don't know if the austrian one is a is to follow on and they'll also get hit with altitude that is to be expected across europe for their cars or not well it's possibly to do with the relationship between temperature and pressure but yes that, that will probably follow on I'm, I'm sure altitude one's a little bit trickier but yeah. yeah but if you're selling into a country that's got altitude then you should be making yeah. it clear either you're doing that or have designed it in such a way that it doesn't but the other real big point of this is Volkswagen aren't the only company that has used temperature range to protect their engines as an excuse. No. Or as a reason. Hello, FCA, for example. This could be massive. Yeah, this is a pretty chunky one. Yeah. We'll be keeping an eye on it, of course. Yeah. Do you want to take, take us to a company that's getting money in instead of probably going to lose money out? <laughs> Aston Martin are looking for... Well, they've outlined a £653 million investment plan. Uh, what does it really boil down to? Where is it really going to come from? Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, Mercedes-Benz by Moore of Aston Martin, and the uh, U-Tree Consortium, which does sound an awful lot like an investigation into 1970s television personalities, but it is an investment group led by uh, Executive Chairman Lawrence Stroll. Um, They're also going to issue some more shares too. The aim of this is to use the money to meaningfully deleverage the banking sheet, strengthen and accelerate long-term growth. Close inverted commas. Uh, And that's a quote that's in the uh, Piston Heads article that will be linked in the show notes. I don't really know what that means. I guess it's just put everything back on the straight and narrow, really. Trying to pay off the colossal debt they have. Yeah, basically. I think that that's most of it, is get rid of lots of the debt. Well, because what they've said is that they do have 
They've got a ton of cash. Mm. They don't need cash in inverted commas, and this is where we've perhaps poked fun at all this stuff, specifically when Stroll came out and said, we don't need the cash, it's all right. We've got our, our books. The cash on our books is great. But they mm. would be using that cash to service the debt rather than using the cash to develop EVs, future cars, yeah. upgrade their facilities, all that stuff. So so this investment is to service the debt, meaning that they can keep on using essentially the sort of, I don't want to say the turnover, but the the, 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 the stuff that's, that's that's in and around the bank yeah. to actually do the investment uh, and uh, you know, do the investment and, and keep the business Keep the business keeping on, as opposed to dealing with with sort of previous previous issues. Yeah, and just to note as well that there was an offer from uh, Atlas Consortium, amongst others, which was led by Geely and Morgan owners, uh, Invest mm. Industrial, that was worth about one point three billion pounds. That but that was rejected by the board. All right. Wow. They obviously feel confident by doing it this way that they will still maintain and the sort of freedom they were after. Although it does mean more Mercedes-Benz investment. Yep. Which is a curious one, that. Yeah. Next up, oh dear me, the big news story from the last week, I think, that we only just missed uh, when we recorded last Tuesday. Subscription services for, for, yeah, BMW. Yep. BMW have announced that they are launching a subscription service in the UK. They had announced, but this was very odd announcements because it sort of drip fed across the markets. And then mm-hmm. event, and so we could all get in a lather. And then but they get- also talked about it five years ago. They said, you know, we were at a BMW driving day down in Farnborough yeah. and they talked about this. This this is not something which they've just decided no. in, a, in a fraction of a second. This has been this has been coming for a while. They are desperate for it. They are going to do it, whatever. And they have decided that they are because they tried it with the Apple CarPlay, didn't they? That you had to pay extra for that. Yeah. Well, which they, they've, they've, they've done it for rejected years. by customers. <laughs> but they've done it for years on the stealth. So you could get you could pay for the advanced Bluetooth. As if the advanced Bluetooth wasn't already built into the car. Yeah. It's just the standard Bluetooth was a hobbled version of advanced Bluetooth, and you were basically paying a, a license fee to have it unlocked. You know, a software license fee. And, and so many people offer and worked out how you crack that license fee and that license and and you can go to to third parties and have the advanced bluetooth magically added to your car via a usb stick right there's going to be several links to do with this story because obviously it did cause quite a bit of discussion uh, and a lot of shouting uh, on social media and on outlets the first thing that we'll have linked to is the top gear article that explains about this uh, and what's what's included and all the rest of it the next article I will link to is an opinion piece on Haggerty from James Mills, who is very positive about the idea of this. And, and he goes on to explain why it's being brought in, as far as he can see, and who it's being aimed at. And it's not necessarily the likes of Alan and I, because of the way we have bought cars and bought stuff up to now. Uh, it is more aimed at people who are used to subscriptions for everything. Well, there's a little bit of that where I am used to subscriptions for everything because it turns out there are two of us, by the way, it's not just me. I used to joke that Toyota ported the GRMN specific version of the NAV 
of the, of the Touch 2 nav system, just for me, because I was probably the only person who paid the 200 quid fee for the next three years, of course, most of which I won't be able to use, you know, of, of the GRMN navigation and uh, connected services. So I forked out 200 quid for another three years of, of map updates and stuff. So people do do that. I think there's an interesting point in this top year in the top year article, which is pointing out that you don't have to buy it via subscription. You can buy it outright. Yeah, there was uh, actually I need to raise this because this is in the Haggerty article as well, and I think people have got this wrong. I have dived into the BMW Connect Drive T's and C's, and people are mm. saying, "Oh, you can buy it for the lifetime of the car." At no point do BMW say lifetime of the car. They say the customer's ownership. Yes. So as soon as you sell that car on, it's like it's wiped back to factory settings yeah. and whoever takes it next. So you are saying, oh, yeah, for the lifetime. It's, like, it's, like it's be like wiping your phone. Yep. You wipe your, you, you wipe your phone. So, so stop saying it's for the lifetime of the car because that's misleading to anyone who's thinking, oh, great, I'm going to get this car with all these options. No, you're not. It's the length of your ownership and then someone else comes along and pays the £399 for the M10, M suspension again. Yeah. Alternatively, somebody might go out, buy a used car, and think, okay, that's nice. And now that's a nice base car. Now I want to add the M suspension. I want to add the automatic high beams. Mm -hmm. And you know what? In a way, that's quite good because then you're not buying a used car, which has a load of stuff that you don't need. I would never, yes, for no, example, spec in. You are I buying a used car with a load of stuff you don't need. And this was another fallacy in the argument. We are building cars with absolutely everything fitted. Absolutely everything. And I, and wait before any, and I will acknowledge, we are not talking an, a huge piece of equipment. We are talking a lot of software and we're talking a lot of filaments and electrical uh, wiring and stuff like that. But the principle is there that an awful lot of unnecessary engineering work and installing has happened and, 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 cre and digging up raw materials. Look, I gave you flipping ages to go on a rant last week. No, no, just wait. Uh, no, because this, this one really annoys me. People go, oh, it's only a few filaments. Oh, great. So let's just keep digging. Let's keep adding things to cars that are unnecessary, adding weight. It's not it's I, ridiculous. Okay. I hear and I agree with you. Okay. I do agree with you. It is un. Don't claim you're green if you're digging up more to not it is use waste, it. <laughs> it is wasteful to 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 put these resources and all the background work that has to go into extracting, creating, etc. These resources into a vehicle because if they, they might never get use, you know, you've got adaptive M suspension. Why have you got the fancy dampers, the put, you know, all the wiring, all the control modules, all that kind of stuff? Many of which are in pretty short supply at the minute, anyway. Mm. To, to do that. Yes, absolutely agree. It is wasteful from that point of view. From a manufacturing planning point of view, I can see that for them, it doesn't really add much more money because they're going to buy. Oh, no, they'll save. Say, Look, we just, we just need, need this in. Well, of course, they'll save. They wouldn't be doing it otherwise. They'll save because they've said, instead of uh, we're asking for 20,000 a year, they're now asking for 70,000. Yeah. They're asking for 70,000 rather than 20,000 of this, 30,000 of this, and uh, do my maths, Alan, uh, 20,000 of this other one. And so from their point of view, they will save by just economies of scale. Mm -hmm. We'll bring down the cost of the active dampers to say of course if somebody crashes into you and all that and the, it's an active damper that has to be replaced that will probably be far more expensive and it will hit repair costs not hit lots of stuff like that so there are from the uh, you can win by saying okay well you get this and you don't you know you, you don't 
uh, no, it doesn't. It hits. It hits your residuals. It hits everything. The only people this is good for is is other manufacturers. I'm Absolutely. sorry. 100%. I've just walked. I've just talked myself around in a great big circle there, from going because I don't mind if it's software. Software doesn't really bother me, but when it, it does get down to chunky hardware things, then it really does bug me. Actually, they're dressing this up that it gives us more choice and all the rest of it, and that's just nonsense because we can look through this classified and find the car that has the stuff we really want now so hmm. that's just a, a, a nonsense i like the idea of the ability to perhaps use something for two weeks four weeks a year you go on holiday you want you know whatever it is that's specific hmm. to the holiday da, 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 you know that sort of thing or you want the heated seats for you, you, the trip that you take up to the french alps once a year yeah that sort of thing but still, to try and claim that it's for a positive... Because one of the things that annoys me uh, about this is some of the stuff that they've put on the options list as well. The driver assistance one, where mm -hmm. they're talking about the, um, the, the, the special cruise control. Adaptive cruise, yeah. Hang on. Is that what gave you the five stars by Euro NCAP and now you're charging me? Because... Uh, in this case, doing? no, it's because it's driving assistant plus and not just driving okay. assistant. But they have to be very careful. They do not do that with safety stuff. Yeah. That's an absolute no-no, uh, in my opinion. Uh, there will be a third article linked, by the way, in this that comes from Studio Fro and uh, from Drew Smith. It's really good. Which actually talks more about the business angle of it and what manufacturers have to be very careful of. And there are quite a few things at the moment. It's a bit older, so this is pre BMW doing this. It's a couple of months older, uh, but it is very, it's absolutely bob on and valid and one that I think some manufacturers are going to end up with okay on their face because of. Agreed. I tried not to go too much. There is much more I could have. I, could have I know. I know. <laughs> well done. Thank you. It's a small pat on the head from this. Yeah, da, 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 da. Talking of technology in cars, do you want to take us to Munich? <laughs> I've never been to Munich. Haven't I would you? actually like to go to Munich. Yeah. However, Munich Court has ordered a well-known EV, uh, American EV manufacturer, or loose collator of, uh, to reimburse uh, a customer with most of the money that she paid for a Model X. In fact, it's most of the 112,000 euros that this lady paid for her Model X because of issues with the autopilot function. A technical report was commissioned, and it showed that the vehicle could not reliably recognize obstacles, like narrowing at construction areas. It would activate the brakes unnecessarily, and this was felt could cause a massive hazard, certainly in towns, and lead to collisions. Tesla lawyers, on the other hand, argued that city pilot wasn't, autopilot wasn't designed for city traffic, this is a whole story. The court counter-argued that it wasn't feasible for drivers to keep switching the feature on and off manually, uh, as that would be a distraction from driving in itself. And at that point, Tesla was not immediately available for comment. This is very interesting for two it things. Is, yes. First, a court is now saying it's not fit for purpose. It is, yeah. Second, all those issues that were raised in this court thing, we have discussed... Oh, I have discussed either on this show recently, in Many reviews, discussed. or on social media, and an awful lot of other people have confirmed they have had similar issues. This now fires out to all manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Watch yourself if your lane keeping assist isn't any good. Watch out for your dynamic 
cruise control if you're claiming that you spot speed signs and you don't watch out for your automatic emergency braking going off that's specifically mentioned <laughs> yeah 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 this absolutely. stuff shouldn't um, be on the road until it's fit for purpose it's so there's a little bit the last two paragraphs of this of this Reuters story okay linked in the show notes as always i'm just going to read them out okay and it says musk said in march that Tesla is likely to launch a test version of its new full self-driving software in Europe later this year. <clears throat> I'm sure that's uh, six months, maybe nine. Uh, depending on reg- <laughs> depending, get this, yeah. <laughs> Which yes, uh, depending on regulatory approval, snigger, snigger, snigger. It's quite difficult to do full self-driving in Europe. He told workers at the Berlin factory at the time, saying much work needs to be done to handle tricky driving situations in Europe where roads vary a lot by country. Mm. because there aren't 50 separate little countries or 48 contiguous separate little countries that it's already allowed to. No, he's just done a great job of putting it off and uh, uh, doing the groundwork for blaming elsewhere later. Yes, yes, I I think that that is, I I smell something. Yeah. It's not pleasant. Right, I'm going to move us on because otherwise I will start going again and that's not fair on everyone. (laughs) No, especially not me. You only have to listen to the edited version. (laughs) Right, so there is a problem with installing EV charging points at home at the moment, which is particularly hitting fleet, but also will hit private owners. because It's not a problem, it's a challenge, Andrew. Uh, okay well it's a significant challenge then yes (laughs) this is the fact that the regulations have been changed covering the installation of charging points for uh, electric vehicles at homes because there now needs to be an installation of an isolator Uh, and to do that there needs to be two visits for the charging point to be fitted. You need to have a visit from the person who's going to fit the charger, but also the person who provides the electricity to that property needs to visit and fit the isolator. On top of everything else, we obviously have the semiconductor shortage, COVID restrictions in the Far East, and all the knock-on effects from that. So this is actually putting a four to six week lead time on stuff that wasn't expected to be the case. Now, it could be got round... If everyone got together and agreed we could do it in one installation, so you have a qualified electrician who is approved by all the uh, mm-hmm. energy providers to fit the isolation and then fit the charger in one yes. one visit, done. Dutch. There's about 40 suppliers, be, and at the moment there's a variety of different costs because across there's 40 companies. And there doesn't seem to be a will to get together and say, yes, let's all agree on some certain basic mm-hmm. standards above and beyond the regulations. <laughs> this is a tricky one because uh, some, sorry, I'm, I should go into work mode here. Uh, because some years ago, a number of standardized processes were written as a standardized process framework for energy companies and how they should work together and work with outside parties so that all of the energy companies work. So stuff like whenever you change your account, Mm-hmm. And whenever you, you know, when you've, you move supplier, there are standardized processes about what people have to do and how long they have to do it and all these kind of things. Obviously, EV charging points have come after that. So the trouble is that what's happening at the minute is there's a certain amount of wandering around headless because there are no defined processes for how to do this as part of their standard process pack. So it's going to take until that is all agreed and all signed off 
before this can happen? There was a change because there was the Meter Operation Code of Practice Agreement, mm. which was uh, altered to the Retail Energy Code in January. Right. What they've what they've tried to do because it was having such a it is having such a detrimental effect on charging installation, the time and the costs that they reversed it last September, but we're still we've got mm-hmm. sim- effectively the same problem. Yeah, um, and what this means as a knock on to the consumer at the other end, who's going, can I have my charger? Is you have to use a mm-hmm. public charger, which charges electricity at a different rate than mm-hmm. it will at home. Yes, and that is. Cost, if you're a fleet operator, it's flipping costly. Oh, ouch! Five <laughs> percent yeah. yeah. to twenty percent—that's not good. At least, so still cheaper than petrol and diesel recently, though. Yeah, yeah. Whenever it eventually happens. Yep. Excellent. Next up, uh, e-fuels. So, uh, moving from one alternative energy source to another. Uh, so, we talked before about Porsche building an e-fuel facility in South America, mm-hmm. using renewable energy to synthesize biofuels, essentially. Uh, they're going to build a second one in Tasmania. So, another place which is easy to get to and from, Um you know, just right on the doorstep. <laughs> it is another place that has the ability to create clean energy in which to produce the e-fuels, which is part of the whole yes. problem, to make it all sustainable uh, and not actually damage the carbon cycle more <laughs> by the production of these fuels. <laughs> it, it is a kind of funny one that, that you do have to go to to some of these quite extreme places to, to do this and to do it in the cleanest, most sustainable way possible. Mm. But I'm sure that that will filter its way back and there'll be a lot of, a lot of lessons learned from this, this kind of stuff. Uh, so it's worth mentioning, by the way, when it comes to e-fuels, Formula One will run exclusively on them from the 2026 season worth bearing this kind of thing in, in mind. HIF Energy are the company who are making it. Porsche owns 12.5% of, uh, of HIF. Yeah. One thing to note, because I didn't realize this until I read this particular Evo article, link in the show notes as ever, but one of the byproducts of e-fuel is e-methanol. And mm. Porsche and HIF uh, are in conversations with the aviation and shipping industry as an alternative fuel for their existing fleets and existing engines. If you can get a ship that is running on the e-methanol, that is the byproduct of the e-fuel, to take it to and from Chile and Tasmania, (laughs) this does help make that circle more complete. Mm -hmm. And there are less gaps where you go, ooh, we've got to make up for the fact that we are burning, you know, however many million litres to get it back to Europe or America or wherever. The EU recently left the door open, ajar, basically, ajar for e-fuels to prove that it's sustainable and economical. And this is another step in that direction to see whether it is. Fingers crossed it is, because I I think we need all these options. I'm curious if it becomes an e-ship at the point that it's running (laughs) on the the e-methanol, which is a a byproduct of the e-fuel. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's uh, an e-tanker. 
<laughs> now, this this stuff's really interesting, and there is a point, obviously, where the cost of producing these goes down, and the cost of producing traditional fuels and extracting it, and extracting the dino juice and refining the dino juice goes up. So, yes, they, they reckon the price will overlap in about 2030 at about two US dollars per liter. Mm. Well, even if they just use it on motorsport, exactly, exactly. Then you know it gives it. It still continues the the wide variety of motorsport we've got because that's not to yeah. say that electric stuff will stop or anything because it won't. No, no, exactly. It's, it's not gonna not gonna flatten that. No. Uh, Andrew, rental scooters, another one of your favourite topics. Oh boy. <laughs> yes, uh, and this is the news. The government has decided they're going to extend the trials of rental e-scooters until May 2024. Until November 2022 is when the current set of trials will end, and then it's up to the participating local authorities on whether they wish to extend it to the 31st of May 2024. There's lots of talk about we'll get more data, etc., etc. I'm not sure what extra data they're going to get on top of what they're doing no, what, already. What they'll get is time. They'll get time. Time is the important thing here. But what it will mean is that it will not allow for the implementation of the law that allows privately owned electric scooters on public highways because they are basing all their information on how the rental goes. Yes, but it also buys them the time to write the legislation and decide what a privately owned e-scooter should be. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that that to me that's why I'm saying time. I, I don't. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I, I don't have a big. I'd rather this have... was done properly rather than. Yeah, ham-fisted, and then they have to do updates every six months. Exactly. I, that, that's my feeling as well, and that's why I, I don't have an issue with this one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want to take us to 2035 on your motorcycle or moped? Oh, it really is alternative fuel day today, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, this is the news. Uh, the government has launched a consultation, and there will be a link to this. Uh, yeah, as ever, links, show notes, blah, blah, blah. I think we've said that enough times. This show... The government's launched a consultation to end the sale of fossil fuel motorbikes and mopeds by 2035. And supposedly, it's part of a wider plan to make walking and cycling people's first choice for short journeys. I'm not quite sure how that impacts on e-mopeds because generally, or mopeds and stuff, because generally those are, those are used for actually longer journeys or many journeys stitched together. Yeah. This doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I, yeah, this, this doesn't surprise me. It, it was always going to come. I think if anyone is surprised by this, I think it'd been incredibly myopic. Well, no, my surprise is that it wasn't already in place. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. Well, that's true. That is that is the surprise of it. There was no way this wasn't going to happen. Yeah, anybody who didn't think this was going to happen, it's in their own wee world. Uh, but it has actually started. Yep. Do I think it's about? Uh, loads of people say really good things about riding e, e motorbikes as well. I'm sure there'll be a market for helmets, which can, which which have uh, which have speakers in, which will synthesise, link up to your <laughs> link up to your motorbike, and will synthesise the noise that you're making whilst the rest. And to be honest, I actually think uh, electric motorbikes could sound pretty cool in the same way as electric race cars actually sound really cool in person. It doesn't carry on TV, yeah, but that sort of visceral. Visceral, equally annoying screaming and clunking of gears and all that kind of stuff, which you can't traditionally hear. I think it's, I think it could sound pretty cool. Yep. It'd be pretty good. All right. I think that's the end of the first part. 
It is. And that means, of course, that this is Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, we completely understand. You can help us by following for free from our podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thanks very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you, everyone who does. <laughs> right, WRC. It was Rally Estonia last weekend. And it was the Rovenpera show once again. Although, initially, it was the Elvin Evans show until Rovenpera got himself into gear. <laughs> Is Toyota, Toyota WRC, uh, um, TGR WRC's home rally, though? You would, you would no, Finland to... is. They've declared Finland as their home base. Oh, okay. Despite the fact they're based in Estonia. All righty then. Okay. Yeah, I was confused by that because Hyundai have done the same. But Toyota did <laughs> obviously test uh, Estonia because you can only s- test in certain ones. You've got to declare which ones oh, you're testing in. Oh, okay. Right. Now I understand. So Rovanperä ended up amazingly one minute, uh, just over one minute ahead of Elvin Evans, who was well ahead at one point, And won the final power stage by 22.4 seconds. That's quite a lot, isn't it? That, Considering they're usually, you know, less than half a second, th- mm. that is unbelievable. Whilst it was dry, Elvin Evans was brilliant. He got in a flow. He was walking around really confident. It was awesome to see. But then it rained and it all changed. And then Rovenpera just went, just was brilliant and at that point, Evans had no response to him. Ottanik completed the podium because he finished in third, but it, it was essentially an awful rally for Hyundai. It was dreadful for M Sport as well. Craig Breen was... <sighs> he he needs to finish a rally very soon. Uh, mm-hmm. And I... I feel sorry for M Sport because they're doing a lot of repairs to their cars at the moment, thanks to their drivers, um, and not not just to the drivers. They're being unlucky as well, but they're being hampered by mistakes on top of that. Yeah, it was it was awful for them. We'll have in the show notes as ever the driver ratings from Colin Clark. Looking on the social medias, they have not been received very well by <laughs> some corners of the internet. I think he's bob on. To be fair. Um, in this instance and we will also have uh, what we learned that article will be there and that's interesting but just to finally round this out Tanek was fined for not wearing a cap on the Estonia podium 1,000 euros up front with 3,000 suspended um, for what was technically called procedural error during Estonia podium celebrations Uh, I got this vague feeling that when we've talked about fines for speeding on the public roads, they are mm. nowhere near this much. But when it's a sponsor... Yeah, it's big. Yeah. What doesn't help things for Tanik's defence is they claim that he'd taken it off because it was soaked in champagne, not once but mm. twice, because uh, it was the power stage one as well, because of the heat temperature and and it was getting cold very quickly. 
Unfortunately, the stewards then got photographic evidence that there was no proof that he'd had his cap on at all. So oh, if you're going to come up with an excuse, don't make it one that they can find out very quickly is not true. Mm -hmm. So I think possibly part of the fine is you weren't 100% open, were you? No, no. Putting so it in diplomatic go. language. He will, he will probably not be appearing in next year's Pirelli calendar. I think we can, we can say no. that quite, quite, uh, quite categorically. Yep. Anyway, new, new car news. We have a bit, actually, this week. We actually have quite a bit. Uh, so, uh, where are we starting? Uh, we're starting with the Hyundai Ionic 6. So Hyundai Ionic 6 is the one that looks like the cross between uh, an older Mercedes CLS, Porsche Panamera, and a Tesla Model 3, which was revealed last week. It's definitely not the pointy one. It's the curvy one. Yes. Yes, it's converted some technical details. So it is uh, about the same size as a Tesla Model 3, or a Polestar 2, or a BMW i4. Delete as appropriate. I think it's probably actually slightly smaller than an i4, because an i4 is quite a big car. Yeah. It uses the same mechanicals as the Ionic 5, and the Kia EV6, and the Genesis GV, GV60. But there'll be a number of different drivetrains and battery setup. So the lowest power most output you can get is a 226 brake horsepower single motor in the rear long range version uh, you can have with up to 329 brake horsepower via a twin motor four wheel drive arrangement that'll take you from 0 to 62 in 5.1 seconds and should also enable you to travel many miles the number of which i cannot describe fine right now the longest range version is estimated to be able to do 379 miles on a charge yeah they're expecting 4.4 as the efficiency aren't they at yes, that point which is pretty good yeah that's up that's up on what you get currently with the five it does feel like with this kind of thing hyundai is whittling on other manufacturers chips <laughs> yes there was a thread about that, wasn't there, on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm, I must have missed that one. Sorry. No, yeah, um, it was from Johnny Smith, basically. Oh, right. Oh, yes, was there was, because I agreed with it quite, quite... Yeah, so this is a good... Despite my, my urine extraction uh, uh, earlier on, this is quite a good-looking thing. People have said, accused it, accused it of having hints of Saab in it. So it's a good-looking car, which is fast, efficient, and goes a very long way. Yes, I don't, I'm struggling to see the problems. I mean, I'm not so, convinced yes. by the looks, but the, the that's looks subjective. to me are the weakest part, part of that. But it is fantastically aerodynamic. Yeah, the back end is the bit where it goes a bit wrong for me. I'm waiting till I've seen it in real life. Well, it's a little bit nine eleven. Yeah, that's stuff, why I've yeah. tried not to sort of be one of those for a change. Be one of those people on the internet, um, and I'd like to see. I'd like. I know. Look at me growing up. Who hey. are you, and what have you done with the real Andrew? Yeah, <laughs> um, I'd like to see it. Uh, close up and have a little poke around but I, I would imagine the interior will be really lovely mm -hmm. and it, it is the next logical place for them to go uh, Hyundai uh, you, yeah. to a saloon version because we've got the sort of hatchbacky one Kira doing a GT you know so this is this is the next progress for that and that platform and uh, I, I think it's brilliant they're doing it absolutely absolutely and just seeing what's what's going to happen the, the efficiency numbers there by the way never mind the speed and never mind the the range the efficiency numbers there are really impressive. Yep, absolutely. 
Right, sticking with EVs, though, I will take us to uh, MG. And they have now revealed uh, some pictures and details about the updated 5. Now, it's had a midlife... What a good-looking front is on this on this revised one. Completely revised. So it's got rid of the pseudo-Passat grille. Yep. And it's got a much slimmer headlamp. It looks a bit like... Do you know what it reminds me of? The previous, the, the last-gen uh, Volkswagen Scirocco. Yeah, yeah. Which I yeah, thought I was really that. a good-looking car. I mean, they're I mostly driven that. by Ooh. morons these days. Has has a designer moved from there to there? Not that I'm aware of, but it's I can't possible. Remember. I can't remember. But yes, it, it, this looks good, and it looks distinctive, and it doesn't look yeah. like it's copying anyone else, really. Um, MG evolution continues. Uh, that was their last model, wasn't it? It was their last model that was, uh, we're aping somebody else a little bit that yeah. came across well it came across that way mm-hmm. they're going to start at the entry level with £30,000 uh, £995 um, it, that's hardly under dealing with uh, when it comes to options and stuff LED headlights 16 inch alloys infotainment 10 inch infotainment vehicle uh, to load as well so you can use it to power other stuff yeah rear parking camera adaptive cruise all that sort of stuff that you would think it's it's in there um so that i think that's really good um top spec which is called trophy comes in at thirty three thousand four hundred ninety five pounds so it's hardly massively more expensive Mm -hmm. i'm just desperately trying to find what the range is i don't know it doesn't say it doesn't it doesn't say in this uh car expert article i don't know what the range will be but it's gonna it's not gonna be worse than it was before for sure Anyway, back to Korea again. <laughs> yes, uh, back to Korea, but this time not EVs, this time hydrogen. And, of course, one of the cars that everybody was talking about once they got over the uh, the uh, option subscription model was the Hyundai Enz Vision <laughs> 74 concept. I love it. It looks like yeah. what I drew in my school books and still draw in meeting notes. Yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing any downsides to this design at all. Whereas with the six, there's a few bits I'm sort of going, oh, I'm not sure I might need to see that really. This one, nope. I know I'm going to really like it if I see it as well. <laughs> so it's cool. It's trying to show off possible future retro design coupe uh, as well as hydrogen cars can be fun too type of message is, is is in there is inferred somewhere in there but what's really interesting about this is that it's based off a Jajaro design that Jajaro did for Hyundai way way back but it was never brought to production I believe instead what happened is the same basic shape and outline went on to become a rear-engined Grand Tourer built in Northern Ireland with a V6 engine at ah. the back and gullwing doors Okay. Yes. You know what Italian styling houses have been like over the years for recycling ideas? Yeah. It was also based off one of the ASOV lists. So there was the Spades, the Club, the Think Diamonds as well. Bunch of of concepts that Shijaro did in the sort of 1960s and 70s. And lots of vehicles came from those ideas. Lots of lots of very similar vehicles were made for different places around the world or concepts were brought up with. And the original route of this was one that was done for Hyundai. I've just made a real fudge of trying to explain that. <laughs> uh, there are a couple of articles that we will link to that sort of explain that. Uh, there's one by Mike Benovsky. Uh, there's a thread of tweets by Daniel Golson as well that explains why this looks familiar. 
Mm. Why we look at it and go, I like that. That's attractive yeah. uh, to us. It's really cool. I mean, on many levels, the car is cool. And the actual story behind the design is really cool as well. It's really nuanced. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. the car itself, it's showing off the Nexo fuel cell system, but repackaged. Uh, it's got a 62.4 kilowatt hour battery pack. It will put out at peak uh, 661 horsepower. So I imagine that's fuel cell and battery working together because a fuel cell isn't on and off. You can't have variations of power. Uh, that's why fuel cell vehicles have a battery as well, because you need to regulate how the power, when the power is delivered. Uh, 664 pound foot of torque and a 600 mile range uh, as well, as well as the, the, the benefits that come with rapid refueling with, uh, with hydrogen. Yeah. Of note, though, uh, when they revealed this, there was, uh, in the video, there was also the RM22E, which was basically what the Ionic 6N would look like. So there's a big wing mm. on the back and everything. And it was, they were both seem to be racing around a track, um, mm -hmm. which, which in case you haven't seen that video, it'll be, it's on the social medias and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it, <sighs> Hyundai, honestly knocking it out of the park again. Uh, have we discussed the Ionic 5N as well? That's also in there too. Just just in case we haven't covered enough Hyundai new stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm less happy about that one, but I've made my points clear on why. Uh, yeah. I don't object to N. I just don't think that's the car for it. No, 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 no. But it's the one that's there. You see, I think it's a little bit of that. Mm. Uh, right. Enough new new car news. I think. Uh, yeah. So lunchtime read. This on week. top of all the lunchtime reads we've given you, actually, this episode. There's a lot of lunchtime reading. I mean, I didn't I didn't get through all of them, to be honest. Uh, there's a lot of one. This week's lunchtime reads is from the LA Times. It's an article titled, We Are Killing People, How Technology Has Made Your Car a Candy Store of Distraction by Russ Mitchell. Basically, car makers are finding new and interesting ways to allow you to spend more time looking at your mobile phone. And that's not good no so do have a read it is a proper lunchtime read this one yeah this is this is not just a two-minute job a lot of research has gone into this um, a lot of explanation of where the market is where manufacturers are with these things and often there is a lot of bits where somebody makes a claim and they go well go on prove it and there is no proof it is mm. just a lot of words made by marketing yes uh, as as always uh so there's also i noticed there are some revisions to the story uh there's a for the record bit yes it, it corrects some numbers that were in it earlier and it actually makes the numbers worse um yep. by but because people said no no actually those aren't quite the right numbers do have a read of that that's a good 15 minute read anyway yep yep list of the week though andrew Yes, list of the week. Uh, this is from jalopnik and it is uh, 10 failed supercar makers that deserved better so alan you only you are going to pick is there one out of all this lot that you go oh yeah actually dome I wish this is okay. actually a load but dome is the one i'm going to choose uh dome is a japanese supercar company or a fledgling supercar company founded by a chap called minoru hayashi and they showed off their most their most and i think only uh famous uh, concept in car was the dome zero i somewhere in a box have a toy dome zero there were many toys made of it it still looked like a concept car there it's super cool Gul um uh sort of um oh what's the correct term for them uh, lamborghini style doors 
Scissor. Lots of glass. Scissor doors, lots of glass, uh, poppy-uppy headlamps, all the things that were awesome in the 1970s. <laughs> I didn't know what it was for years, but just thought it was really, really cool. Um, and it is a, a Dome Zero. Loads of other stuff in this Jalopnik slideshow. I don't agree with all of them, but there no. are some crack. But there are also some crackers in there. Yep. It was actually quite hard for me to choose. I just happened to have actually been through the list uh, in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do you want to take us to the and finally? Because it's an update. It is. And finally, this week is an update from the Tim Traveller. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, three months ago, I think it was, it said, since he put the video out. And he was talking about the City Rama tourist coaches from Paris and some of the challenges they'd had. So these are the ones that are look a bit like sort of weird spaceships. The Golgofrinsham Biarc is, is the one that I always think it should look like. Yeah. <laughs> that were tourist vehicles in Paris. And he said in that video, there's one survive. We, we don't know if any have survived. If you know of it, let us know. Well, people let him know. There is one survivor. And it was being shown off at a local vehicle show in Brittany, I think. And then he, so he went to see that. It was also, if you were at the uh, Le Mans Classic, uh, sorry, this was meant to be the end finally a couple of weeks ago, to be honest. Uh, it was also at the, the Le Mans Classic because they're trying to raise money to, to actually get it restored. So they have a company that's going to restore it. It's going to strip it back, rebuild it. And of course, they're trying to raise money. So if you saw it at Le Mans Classic, that's fantastic. I'd love to see pictures. I didn't see any around. But it's so cool. It's been found. One of them is is in the process of being saved. Again, seven-minute video for, from Tim. If you don't subscribe to his YouTube channel, you really should. It is not a car YouTube channel. It is about travel and interesting stuff. Um, and it's one of my absolute favorites. Mm -hmm. When he covers vehicle stuff, that makes me even happier. <laughs> it's cool. He does a little walk around and he goes in and he goes upstairs and all sorts of stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. Parish notes this week. Uh, I won't be here next week. I'll be hunting down a co-host for next week. And then after that, for the following few weeks, it's not going to be the new show. It's going to be a series of special editions are going to come out on the, the Wednesday mornings for for everyone's delectation. So uh, that's what's going on over the next few weeks. So a little bit different. Expect in about six weeks time, expect lots of talking over each other. Ums, yeah. ahs, and can't find where we are in articles. So if you notice any difference, do let us know. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that that that's what's coming up over the over the next couple of weeks. Uh, patrons, the time of recording next week will vary again. I'm so very sorry. Uh, just until we find a, a, a sort of happy place, this seven what for me is seven a.m. in the morning slot seems to work quite well. But we may well have to refine that a little bit as time goes on. Yep. Anyhow. Until now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, uh, what's the best way that people can get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crap Wing Screen, you'll find me there. And I don't know if people would like to get in touch with you personally. What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do it via Twitter as well, where I'm 
at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, as I said, we will be back relatively soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.